Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa afdalu salati wa atammu taslimi ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima allamtana. Wa zidna ilman wa amalan ya Rabbil Alameen amma ba'd. Good evening and welcome as uh, we continue with our Friday Night Faith Circles, um, an online edition. Uh, we make dua that Allah Ta'ala returns us to in-person uh, circles as soon as possible. Uh, today we're going to be beginning a new series on the 99 names of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala. And this perhaps is one of the most important things a person can learn in life. And so I'll explain that. Uh, today's just going to be an introduction. I'm not actually going to cover any of the names. And so let's start. Let's start with a, a question, an analogy somewhat. Think of, think of the most beloved person to you. The person that you trust and care for and you love the most. Think of that person, whoever that individual is. Now imagine one day they walk up to you and they say, come with me, we're going somewhere. And don't worry about it. Don't ask any questions. I'm not going to tell you anything. Just come with me. Let's go. And they tell you that no matter what happens, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Just come. Would you go? Right? Would you go? It's a question. Maybe, maybe not. You might have some doubts. You might think, wait, no, but I have stuff going on in my life. I have to be somewhere tomorrow. They tell you, don't worry. Anywhere you need to go, anyone you need to meet, anything, I'll take care of it. Would you go? Not knowing where you're going, not knowing why, not knowing whether or not this person will take care of everything. Would you go? A lot of us, if not all of us, if we really trusted that person, we would go. And we would put our trust in this person. And, and, and we'd leave it to them. And we'd go with them. You know, ride or die friend. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, throughout the Quran, over and over and over again, He commands us and He tells us and He encourages us to trust Him. And upon Allah should the believers trust, place their reliance over and over again. And yet, how many of us find it difficult in our lives, faced with a difficult situation full of uncertainty, and we're not really sure about how to go forward and what's gonna, what lies ahead? And how often do we find it difficult to just accept Allah's decision in that situation and to go forward? Why is that? Why is it that when that friend comes and they ask us to go, we're ready to go? It's because we know them. 
We trust them. We know that they would not do wrong to us. Whereas with Allah, maybe we just don't know Allah. And I say that with all due respect, eh? I'm not saying that in a condescending way towards anybody. But if we haven't studied the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's a very strong likelihood that we don't really know much about Allah. We don't really know much about who He is. Now, why study these names? Okay, they'll tell us something about Allah. Right, but why don't we just study prayer, like salat, teach us how to pray. Why not, shouldn't we just cover like how to fast, how to give zakat. Just teach us those, you know, quote unquote, practical things. Teach me what to do in my life. Why are we starting with, or why are we talking about Allah's names? Which is, it's, it's somewhat, it seems theoretical. Let's get to all the practical things that we should be doing in our lives. No, is that, that's a valid question. Well, all the rulings that Allah Ta'ala has set for us in our deen, in Islam, in order for us to practice upon them and appreciate them, we need to be acquainted with the rule maker. Because if someone, if, you, if someone hands you a list of rules and says, follow these, the first thing you want to know is who set the rules? They tell you so-and-so, and you start wondering, should I trust so-and-so? Are these rules even just? Does that person have my best interests in mind? Why should I follow these rules? That's one of the biggest mistakes I think we make today. Is so many children are brought up with rules imposed upon them, having no idea why they should follow those rules. Pray. Why? Allah said, you're going to go to Jahannam if you don't. Is that it? Is that really going to be the, the reason why we pray? Why we do anything? Just to avoid Jahannam? You know, and we have to understand that this is a serious problem for, for, for people who are born in societies that are, are very individualistic. You know, maybe it worked for a certain generation where they were told, just pray, otherwise you're going to go Jahannam, whatever. Maybe it worked for them, they became very punctual with their prayers. Maybe. And even then you could question whether or not they even have the spirit of prayer. But a society wherein people are brought up upon Freedom and individualism and uh, choice, um, liberty. Such individuals, people who are brought up in such a society, find it very hard to worship just to af avoid Jahannam. It seems like you don't even have a choice. It's like you don't even have a choice. I'm, I have to do it lest I go to Jahannam. That doesn't seem like a choice. And... Such a society promotes choice. And, we want, and, and the individuals who are born into that society value doing things because they want to. Because they choose to. And think about it. You know, like this, this is something that you could start thinking about at a sociological level. In, in societies where, you know, these values of individualism and, and freedom and liberty and choice, where they're not so high on the list of people's priorities, Right? So more collectivistic societies. Over there you'll find that people don't have a problem uh, just doing it because they're told. Worshipping because they're told. Whereas people in more individualistic societies find it very hard. You know, in the collectivistic societies, if they're told, uh, because I told you so. It's like, okay, yep. Yeah. 
There's, there's a much more obedience to authority. In individualistic societies, and think about your own upbringing, maybe, maybe, you know? You know, I've heard many people actually tell me this, where they're going to go pray, they're going to pray, and then their parents tell them, go pray. And now they feel like, oh, why you got to tell me that? Now I'm going to feel like I'm praying for you. You know what I'm talking about? Like, now I feel like I'm praying for you. Why you got to tell me? I was going to go pray anyways. Because we're people who want to do things because we chose to do them. That becomes all the more important when it comes to religion. That we want these people born into these societies to worship. Well, they're going to have to worship out of choice. Not just out of the fear of Jahannam. You know, where they didn't sign up for that. And so, in, in, a lot of children are brought up being told or being taught, you have to pray and you have to do this and you can't eat this and you can only eat that. And there's all these rules put in place. And they don't know why they're following these rules. They're not really sure why. They're not sure why they should. They're not sure whether or not the one who set out the rules is even worthy of being trusted. They're not sure if that being, that Allah Ta'ala who has set out those rules, the rule maker, the ruler, they're not sure if he has their best interests at hand. They're not even convinced of that. And that's why you find them often asking, why would Allah do this? Why would Allah do that? Right? I have a, I've written a, a paper on this topic. Um, religion as a form of torture. The idea being that, you know, one of the forms of torture is for people to engage in meaningless work. And there's the myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus. And, and, and uh, you know, the idea that we do things for no reason. That's a form of torture. Where you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. There's no motivation to do it. It's really hard. And so, this is an important point to understand. That we must know why we're worshipping. We must have a reason. And we must teach our children. Because right now, over and over, over again, I'm seeing instances where people are not praying. They're not practicing. They're not following the rules of Islam. And so people come to me and they're concerned. They say, I have a relative and so-and-so. They're not praying. They're not obeying Allah Ta'ala's commands. And so the question they're often asking me is, so what should I tell them? And what I say to them is, before you tell them anything, first think to yourself, why would they not do it? Seek first to understand, right? Seek first to understand uh, before you want to be understood. So we want them to understand something, but hold on. Why would they worship to begin with? Why should they worship? Why should they pray? What's the reason? What reasons have we given them? Who are they even worshipping? Do they have any idea who they're worshipping? Human beings, we have to understand human psychology. Humans don't do things if they don't understand the reason for it. There's no motivation to do it then. Why? That's at the core of everything we do is, is why. That's why our deen places so much importance on intention. That we're not robots. We don't just do things. There's a reason. And we must know that reason. And so all of Islam, all the rulings are predicated on this understanding that we want to follow them because we trust the rule maker. We trust the ruler. What do you know about the ruler? And here's a question, right? Like, Think about your best friend. 
And if I ask you to describe your best friend, you could describe a lot of things. You could say that they're like this and they're like that. And you could mention a lot of good things about them based on your interactions with them, based on what you know about them. If, I, if we were to take a moment to say, well, who's Allah? And, and start listing what we know about Allah. A lot of us, unfortunately, would not have much to say. Yeah, he's the creator. A lot of people, that's probably the bare minimum. He's the creator. Yeah, he created the universe. Oh, he has a lot of knowledge, all knowledgeable, a lot of power, uh, mercy. Yeah, and, and that's about it. What about, what more? What more? How does he interact with you in your daily life? Does he interact? Does he, in, 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 is he involved in the affairs of the world? Like what's, a lot of us don't really, we don't have these conversations. We don't have these conversations with our kids. We don't have these conversations with, with each other. Um, a lot of our discourse surrounds um, the rules, what we're supposed to do. And, and that's not downplaying the importance of that. But remember, we will not build a society of people who follow rules um, just by telling them that these are the rules. We can only do so when we explain to them who the ruler is and why he is deserving and worthy of worship and worthy of being obeyed. Otherwise, it becomes a form of torture. And, I, and, and I've seen this so many times where people, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen youth who can't wait till the day they can move out so they don't have to follow the rulings anymore. They just, just like, the day they can go to university and live on campus away from their parents so they don't have to wake up for Fajr and keep doing all these things that they were forced to do for years and had no idea why they were doing it. And not just that they didn't understand, it's not just that they didn't know why they were worshipping, but they also have objections. Why would Allah do all these things to me? And then, so, so they're not happy with Allah. And then they're being told, go pray to Him. And go thank Him and, 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 and all. And it's like, why? Why would I do that? And so really, it's one of the greatest services, I believe, that we do to ourselves and to others when we don't become acquainted with Allah Ta'ala. And you know what's incredible? Is we have no excuse. Because Allah Himself revealed His names to us. In the Qur'an, you know, how, you know, ayat, the verses of Qur'an, how many of them finish with Allah's names? How many of them finish with Allah's names? Sami'an basira, right? Aliman hakima. The names of Allah throughout the Qur'an. And remember, He didn't have to do that. He could just tell us, worship. And we kind of have to do it. But out of His mercy, as a blessing, He revealed his names in the Qur'an as well as through the Prophet And so, he revealed these names, he taught us these names, he expects us to learn them, and then he told us, make dua through them. Allah says in the Qur'an, and for Allah are beautiful names. So make dua to him using these names. And what does that mean? And this is such a profound point if you think about it. We often just say, Oh Allah, Oh Allah. We call upon Allah by His name and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But Allah says, Call upon me with my beautiful names. Well, which ones? The ones that are especially relevant to our situation. To our situation. 
And the beauty of it is, Allah has given us 99 names. I mean, there's more, but the scholars have outlined 99. Some have a few extra as well. But there's that many names for almost any situation we find ourselves in. That we can turn to Him. And let me give you an example. Let's say, let's say that there's somebody sick and they need, and we're not exactly sure, um, or, or we're looking for a doctor, we're looking for a doctor. And so, we're not sure where to find a doctor, for whatever reason, I know you could say Google it or whatever, but like, let's just assume that we don't have a way to figure it out, right? And you meet somebody, and, and they happen to be a doctor. The interesting thing is, you don't know that they're a doctor. So you talk to them, you're like, yo, what's up? And you have a conversation with them and the whole thing. And the conversation finishes, you go home and you're still stressed. I don't, I, I don't know any doctors. And I have this relative who's super sick. What happened? When we don't know about someone, we don't realize that we could turn to them with our needs at certain times. And so we had a need, we had a sick relative who needed treatment, who needed a doctor. We met a doctor, we spoke to them, we just didn't know they were the doctor. And so we didn't bother trying to explain that we have a relative who needs help. And as a result, our needs went unfulfilled. How often do we not turn to Allah? Because we don't realize Allah is the one who can help us in that situation. And He has a name for that. He has a name for that. You know, uh, there's, there's a name of Allah, for example. Al-Fattah, the opener. The opener. The one who opens doors. Doors that seem shut. Here's a question. There, there are many of you who may be struggling to get married. And we make dua, oh Allah, help me. What if we were to make dua, oh Al-Fattah. Oh, the opener of doors. Open for me a door where I can meet the one whom I'm destined to marry. What if we were to make that dua? How different that dua would be when we're calling upon Allah using that specific name that is especially relevant to our situation. Oh, Al-Fattah, open for me the door to sustenance. Open for me the door to marriage. Because sometimes it seems like there's all the doors are closed on us. We don't really know where to go. We've tried everything. It's all shut. It seems like that. Who do we turn to? Well, I turn to Allah. Yeah, Allah, He has knowledge. and No, He's not just a person, a being of knowledge and of power. He's the opener. He's the opener. He's the one who opens doors that seemingly don't exist or are seemingly shut. I'm just giving examples of how when we know somebody possesses a certain ability, we often turn to them with our needs. Allah Ta'ala has told us of at least 99 names so that no matter the situation, we can turn to Him with our needs, whatever that need is. And yet we don't know of those names, many of us. And as a result, we don't turn to Him expecting and hoping that He could fulfill our needs. And so we're, we're encouraged. In the Qur'an, Allah commands us, make dua, using these names. It's a really powerful teaching. Now, 
one of the other benefits of studying the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I think this is probably one of the more profound benefits, is in our lives, we are surrounded by situations that don't make sense to us. Something happens, we're not sure why. Something's going on in our life, we're not exactly sure like what to make of it, how to interpret it. What's going on here? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's two things here. One is, even if we never understand what's happening, knowing that it is Allah who is in control, who is, you know, figuratively speaking, you know, to give an analogy here, uh, or metaphorically speaking, pulling the strings of the puppets of this universe. Allah is the one who controls everything. And He does it in the unseen that we just don't see how His system works. But through His names, we can begin to trust that no matter what happens, it's happening under the supervision and the knowledge and the wisdom of Allah, of a being that's worthy of trust, a being that's worthy of being relied upon. That's if we never understand. But if we want to, to seek understanding, we can reflect upon the events of the universe and of the world in light of the divine names. And so if you see somebody being raised in rank in life, you know, they're, they're, they're acquiring status that they're becoming a person of benefit to humanity. Understand that that is a manifestation of, of one of Allah's names, Ar-Rafi'ah. One of Allah's names is Ar-Rafi'ah. The one who lifts, who raises. So you look at somebody and say, how is that happening? Why is that person, you know, why is their rank being elevated? Because that is the doing of Ar-Rafi'ah. You see someone fall from grace. That is Al-Khafid, the one who debases. Fir'aun, what happened to him? That was the doing of Al-Khafid. We begin to process what's happening around us in light of those divine names. When we see a mother's love, we understand that this is one manifestation of one of Allah's names, Ar-Rahman, the All-Merciful, the Compassionate. Right? Th these are important things for us to, to learn so that we can make sense of the world around us in light of those divine act names. Now, um, how do we act upon this knowledge? Of course, that, that's a question. Well, we'll learn the names, but then how do we act upon it? Where's the practical element of it? We live our lives with the awareness of these names. And so when I learned the name of Allah Ta'ala, you know, As-Sami'ah, the all-hearing, then I become careful with my speech. I become careful with my speech. And every word that I utter, I think that As-Sami'ah is listening to me. I learn Al-Basir, the all-seeing. Now I'm careful about what I do. Yeah, sure, I shut the blinds, I shut the door, I turn the lights off, no one can see. But Al-Basir is watching me, the all-seeing can see me. Right? There's a poem. وَإِذَا خَلَوْتَ بِرِيبَةٍ فِي ظُلْمَةٍ وَالنَّفْسُ دَاعِيَةٌ إِلَى الطُّغْيَانِ فَاسْتَحْيِي مِنْ نَظْرِ الْإِلَاهِ وَقُلْ لَهَا إِنَّ الَّذِي خَلَقَ الظَّلَامَ يَرَانِي The poet says that when you find yourself alone and the thought of evil begins to cross your mind, um, you know, your nafs begins to call you towards the disobedience of Allah. 
that at that moment, have some shame before the gaze of your Lord. Have some shame as you stand before the gaze of your Lord. And tell your nafs that you think that the darkness is covering you. Verily the one who created the darkness is watching you. The idea behind learning these names is that we live our lives with an awareness of these names at all times. Really, we begin to, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, when you hang out with somebody and you, you hang out with them with an awareness of their attributes, of who they are. So, so, you know, you're walking down the street with, uh, and remember, we can never give a, a true analogy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The overall point I'm trying to make here is when you know something about someone, when you're around them, you deal with them with an awareness of those attributes. So someone is really strong, really strong, really powerful, physically speaking. You feel safe around them. You walk with them and you feel safe, right? You're talking to them, but there's an awareness that no matter if something were to go down right now, I'm pretty good. I have this person beside me. You understand? Like we live a very knowledgeable person. We feel content that no matter what happens, I can ask this person. So we deal with others with an awareness of who they are. Imagine we live our lives with an awareness of who Allah is as the one who controls the affairs of the universe. It's a very different experience of life. We begin to feel a certain, um, we f a certain ma'iyah. The word in Arabic is ma'iyah. A certain companionship of a sort of Allah. That Allah is with me wherever I go, in every situation. It transforms the way we experience the world. And so these names are very powerful. Now, there's one important point I want to make here. And again, I think this is very profound if we can understand this. It's really important. Like as we learn these names, we're going to start to notice that some of these names, human beings also possess them in a certain capacity, in a human capacity. So one of Allah's names is Al-Alim, the All-Knowing. The all-knowing. Well, humans also have ilm, like a form of knowledge in the, a human, in the human capacity. What's really important, I cannot emphasize this point enough because I believe it's at the core of many of the mistakes we make when it comes to understanding Allah's decisions in the universe. We cannot project our human understandings onto Allah. We cannot project our human understandings onto Allah. And we do it so often. So often. Right? I mean, I remember, and, I, and I've given this example before. Um, I remember speaking to one sister, and, uh, and she was in prison. And it was her third time in prison. And she said, you know what? Allah won't forgive me. He hates me. I said, I said why do you think he hates you? And she said, because I let him down over and over again. I let him down over and over again. Meaning, the first time she went to prison, she said, she told Allah, Oh Allah, if you, if you, if you, and she begged him, made a lot of dua, recited Quran, and said, Oh Allah, if you allow me to, to leave prison, you free me from prison, I will never come back here. I'll make sure I live a good life. You know, a lot of us do that with our sin, 
our sins. Oh Allah, this is the last time. I won't do it again. Forgive me. And then we go back. Well, she was living the consequences of her decisions in this world. So, so she's in prison. She, she was let free, set free. And then she went back a second time. And made dua again. Oh Allah, free me again. And the third time now, she's like, I kept making promises to Allah and I kept breaking my promise. Allah, he's not, he probably hates me now. He's not going to give me chances. He's not going to trust me. This is so important. The mistake she's making in her understanding. What's, what's the mistake she's making? She is projecting human tendencies onto God. Treating Him like a human. And that's a huge mistake in understanding. And that stems from us not knowing who Allah is. What was the mistake she made? She believed that Allah is just like any other human. And think about how when you deal with humans, right? If I make a promise to you, hey, I'll be there tomorrow uh, for whatever, you know, 8 o'clock, and I don't show up. You're upset. You think, man, why did he do that? He stood me up like that. But you say, okay, you know what, maybe I'll give him a chance. So you give me a chance the next day. And I, again, I don't show up. And I do this two or three times. What happens then? Then you lose trust in me. You say, no, that's it. That's enough. I'm done. You keep saying that, but you, you keep letting me down. We give up on people. And we lose trust in them. We begin to dislike them when they let us down. So the mistake we can make is beginning to think, well, then that must be how Allah is too. Because we think of Him like a human, just like anybody else. That's not who Allah is. Why do humans feel upset when you let them down? Why? Like, why are you upset when I don't show up? It's because when I was supposed to show up and we were, meant, were, were supposed to, example, play basketball together, you had a certain need from me. Your need was, you're going to come play basketball with me and, and, and we will enjoy each other's company. There was a certain social aspect to it that you needed me to fulfill. And I let you down. I didn't fulfill your need three, four times. And so you felt let down. Because your needs went unfulfilled. Allah does not have needs. And thus, there, when we let him down, quote unquote, let him down, we're not. He does not become upset because of any unfulfilled needs. Allah is absolutely independent, self-sufficient. And so the mistake the sister was making was believing that Allah is just like any other human. So when I let humans down and they become upset and they start to dislike me, well, it must be the same with Allah. When we don't learn the names of Allah and who He is, then we begin to treat Him like a human, and that is the greatest injustice. The greatest injustice. At the core of what it means to understand and appreciate who Allah is, is to understand that Laysa kamithlihi shay. There is nothing like Allah. And that's just not in terms of existence, but also in terms of attributes. You know, humans, we, we get upset because someone let us down, someone lied to us. We have a nafs. And so we retaliate and we can let our anger get the best of us. We can make all these mistakes because we are humans with human weaknesses and human tendencies. That's not Allah. Allah does not have emotions that he can, His emotions can get out of control. Again, we project these human tendencies onto Allah. And as a result, we totally misunderstand 
how Allah deals with His servants. You know, and, and I remember people saying this to me. Like, Allah's not going to forgive me. Because you know, they're thinking about like a human would never forgive me. So why would Allah forgive? Because He's not like a human. If He was like a human, I totally agree with you. But He's not. And that's such an injustice to believe Him to be something as low, like a human. We are lowly creatures. Allah is lofty. And far above our expectations. And thus, by learning the 99 names of Allah, we gain a more holistic understanding of who He is. And it actually becomes easier to trust Him. Right? It becomes easier to trust Him. You know, and it becomes easier to, to, un, to, to, to leave things in His hands, in His control. Think about, you know, you have, very often the question comes, why did Allah do that? Why would Allah do that to me? Right? We're making a very core mistake, fundamental mistake here, when we ask that question. Which is, we seem to believe that we have it all figured out, right? There's this flaw where we think we know what's best, and then we think Allah is like another human who could have made a mistake. Like if you see another human do something, you could question like, what's wrong? Did, did they forget? Did, did they miss the point? Do they not know maybe? Like why would they do that? Why would they do such a foolish thing? All those are actual possibilities with humans, right? So we do ask from time to time, why would, why would they do that? Like it makes no sense. Again, and, and, and we do that because we think, well, I, I probably know, I, I probably understand the situation better than that person. Right? They're human, I'm human, so maybe I, I know something they don't. Maybe, right? It's very possible. And sometimes we treat Allah like that. Why would Allah do that? Respected brother or sister, what do you think should be done? Well, I think such and such should be done. And why, why is there a guarantee that what you think should be done is correct? Where where do you get this like confidence that what you think should be happening in the world or in your life? Where did you get this confidence and this kind of boldness, this audacity to believe that what you think should happen is actually correct? Where did you get that from? And where did you get this idea that maybe Allah did Allah miss something? Did He not know? Like, does He not care? Does He not possess wisdom? Does He not have love for you? Is he not subtle? Are all of his decisions maybe not apparent at all times? Are we not aware of all of that? So we begin to treat, we act as though we are perfect and we want to correct Allah's decisions. When we learn about Allah, we realize we are the ones who are imperfect and we need to learn to trust Allah's perfect decisions. We learn, we need to perfect, we need to correct our understanding of who's actually perfect, right? We, we recognize our flaws and deficiencies and recognize Allah's perfection and that He is worthy of being trusted. I mean, it's, it's such a fundamental mistake we, I see people make over and over again to treat Allah like a human. Please, if we take one thing from this whole series that we go through is do not ever think of Allah in human terms. That He possesses the deficiencies and the flaws and the weaknesses and the biases and the emotional imbalances of human beings. He doesn't hold grudges. You know, some of us, maybe we've even read, you know, 
the epics and the tragedies from the Greeks, the plays, you know, Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey, and we hear about the gods and, and the way that they behaved. And Our deen comes and erases all those notions. Those gods, they act just like humans. They're, they get jealous of humans. Like, that's a false notion of gods. We cannot allow that to creep into our minds. That's a flawed understanding of who Allah is. And so when we learn Allah's names, a holistic understanding, we begin to realize that we're in good hands, no matter the situation. Something will happen to us, and we, we will be confused. But we know that Allah knows. Is Allah unaware of my situation? No, He's Al-Alim, He knows. Is He... But is he in a bad mood today? That doesn't happen with Allah. There's no moods. He's not a creation. He's not a human. He's Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Every day, every moment, every second, in every interaction. And so, whatever is happening to me is happening, coming from Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, Lord. Okay, but like, like, What's the what's the meaning behind this? Maybe there's no meaning. Maybe it's just happening. No, he's Al-Hakim. There's wisdom in everything he does. But maybe he's just, you know, a bit, his anger got the best of him. No, he's Al-Adl. He's Al-Just. Yeah, but maybe his justice is a bit severe today. But no, he's Al-Wadud. His justice is accompanied with his love. Yeah, but I don't really see the love. Yeah, he is Al-Batin. He is Al-Latif. The one who does things in a manner that's not always apparent. These names guide us to a, a correct and a more accurate understanding of what's happening to us in our lives. And so, you know, it's really important that we study them. And each week, inshallah, we'll be going through one name uh, or potentially two names, depending on if there's a relationship between some of the names of Allah Ta'ala. And ultimately, we just hope to increase in our love for Allah by knowing who He is, that we love them, that we love Him. You know, when we, when we know something about someone, it, it helps us build an attachment, an appreciation, a love for them. The more we know about Allah, the more we can learn to love Him. And the more we, we can begin to see the impact of His decisions in our lives. In our lives. And uh, we can constantly remind ourselves that as this ship of life, you know, traverses through the, the, the tumultuous waves of life and up and down and, and, and sometimes you feel like it's just going to flip and you're going to lose it all. Know that everything lies and happens under the control and the watchful gaze of an all-merciful and all-loving Lord who is all-wise and knows what's best. And inshallah, we will uh, cover these names one by one as we go through in the coming weeks. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us this understanding, the ability to complete this series. It's a long series, so many names. Um, but we cannot avoid the series just because it's long. Uh, I really believe it, it, it's at the core of our deen. Because we don't, co we don't actually connect with Allah Ta'ala at a deep level through Aqidah. We connect at a deep level with Allah Ta'ala through His names. The Aqidah helps us understand why uh, we should believe in Him and His existence and His attributes. 
Um, but in terms of understanding how he deals with his servants, for that we need to study his names. And so inshallah we will do that one by one. Jazakumullahu khayran. May Allah ta'ala grant us tawfiq to be consistent with this. Ameen ya rabbal alameen. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. ولكل وجهة هو موليها فاستبقوا الخيرات أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير